Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. This is the fabulous Adam Richard and I have a theory. Hey chickens, uh, welcome back. Yeah. <laughs> so we have been making our way through Matt's missive, uh, which uh, we've gotten to the end of series six, which is, you know, caused me all sorts of issues, um, mainly because I hadn't gone back and watched a lot of the episodes because uh, I had fury. Um, I had online fan fury, uh, which has mellowed. Because it's been 11 years, 12 years. Oh, it's been a while. Um, 13 years? It's been a long time. Um, over a decade. Uh, anyway, before I get back into Matt's missive and head on into Series 7, um, James uh, posted on Adam Richard Has a Theory on uh, Facebook, which if you're not a member, it's easy. Just like answer some really dumb questions. Um <laughs> Uh, they're very easy questions. Uh, anyway, James says, it's been fascinating listening to your musings on season six this week. Uh, and it's made me think, um, I've done the Patreon binge, so forgive me for getting ahead of regular broadcast here. It's okay, James. Like, I'm like two weeks behind now. Um, <laughs> uh, it's made me think. I like your observations about how Mr. Moffat perhaps lets his ideas get in the way of story. And in particular, how so many opportunities for a more emotionally true telling of the Melody Pond story were left swinging in the breeze. Old Amy could have wielded that one as effectively as her awesome sword in The Girl Who Waited. I know. You just go, um, here's a whole thing that has happened that you could have been, you know, emotionally scarred by. Like, that's a whole storyline. But, you know, perhaps that's something to do with the fact that that was not one that he wrote. Um, and he did not furnish the writer with the information of what had been happening the big emotional beats of the preceding stories. Um, which, you know, I think if, you know, if Mark Gatiss had known what was going on with River Song and the baby before Night Terrors, like, do you think maybe there would have been some kind of, just some sort of, you know, mention of uh, 
adopting a baby or like, you know, it's, you know, some kind of mention of, see, you know, River Song's grown up okay. This kid with these parents will be okay. Like it's, I don't know. It's, 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 it's problematic in the extreme. Um, uh, but James goes on to say, I love watching Stephen Moffat stories. It's ironic that Russell T. Davis is bringing fantasy into the show because so much of the Moff's work was spinning fairy tales. But Moffat was also clearly at least as smug as Ten and Rose were. <laughs> it's even more evident in Sherlock, which I always struggle to watch as Moffat is so often using it to say, look how clever I am. Um, I mean, he does write that with Mark Gatiss and I wonder how much of that writing is them kind of one-upping each other because that does happen sometimes when you collaborate with people. Um, if it's a combative collaboration, it can, you know, sometimes turn into, oh, look what I've done with this script. Uh, <laughs> uh, or it's, you know, they're just really tickled by each other's ideas and they just kind of cascade into each other. Um uh, James says it is interesting uh, to ponder the different ways that the three showrunners have used Doctor Who. Uh, Russell T. Davis, I don't think, is very interested in the show's lore, seeing rather the concept as a great way of making emotionally engaging telly. He brought Who story in when it suited him. Oh, Who story instead of history, funny. Um, but he was never afraid of retooling it to his own ends. Macra. <laughs> I mean, Macra also, Moffat is not afraid of doing that. Like the, you know, oh, they're related to the Nymon. Uh, it's like, yeah, we once did do kind of the Minotaur at the middle of the maze. So let's do, let's just vaguely ad address that. Um, it's cute though. Uh, Moffat loves the romance of the shows. The show. His stories are a fantastic waltz across time and space, as shown most grandly with River's glorious storyline and in vignette form in Blink and the Girl in the Fireplace. Um, oh, I see what you're saying. So it's like, yeah, the. I mean, is he really like? Is he in love with the romance of the show, or is, does he really, really loved the time traveler's wife and just wanted to rewrite it seven times? Um, <laughs> Uh, James says, looking at some of his other work, Coupling and Sherlock, I do think that he is fundamentally a romantic and that sits in his series alongside his compulsion to use them as a canvas for his amazing ideas. To hell with the audience. They'll love it or they can pee off. Um, I love it, but feel guilty about it. Oh, that's interesting, James, that you love that attitude, but then you feel bad about it. It's weird. Um and then James says, finally, I suspect that Chris Chibnall is the one who is most interested in Doctor Who as a fan. He makes the most old school historical scene for decades. He likes a jolly space adventure and then looks at the mythos in ways that challenge and expand the lore far more than what the others did. Russell T. Davis destroyed Gallifrey to get it out of the way. Moffat brought it back and basically pounded on a big red reset button. But Chibnall, with the fugitive and the t fugitive doctor and the timeless child, added to the show's history in stories that sit alongside the time meddler, the war games, and the insert number here, doctors. I <laughs> like the five and the three doctors, funny. Um, the two doctors, not so much. Uh, the brain of Morbius and the deadly assassin. He took Doctor Who's story forward and his interventions changed 
change our understanding of the Doctor's story more than Russell T. Davis and Moffat combined. I'm looking forward to seeing what Russell T. Davis does with those new threads. It's clear that he's picking them up this time and the way that he has done so is a nice demonstration of how he's a better writer than Chibnall, newsflash. Um, I mean, I think they're just very different writers. Like, it's, you know... Better is kind of subjective, um, you know. Like, I, I would I would argue that uh, you know that Chibnall stories are effective on a week to week basis. If you've never watched the show, you can watch it and go, "Oh, this is fun," um, and you'll enjoy it. But if you've happened to see, you know. 60 years worth of writing. Um, you can probably look at Chibnall's and go, oh, it's not as good as that one and that one and that one. But look, I've got to say, it's better than Underworld. <laughs> there were some ropey old stories back in the old days. Um, uh, anyway, James has a conclusion. He's like, Russell T. Davis is a Gryffindor, Moffat is a Slytherin, and Chibnall's a Ravenclaw. We need them all. Uh, and Kendall replies, next up, a Hufflepuff non-male showrunner, please. Look, this is what I've been saying. I want Sally Wainwright to take over Doctor Who. It will be the best. I know you all think I'm crazy. <laughs> but seriously, like, Sally Wainwright can write fun. Like, you know, it's not all depressing, um, Happy Valley. Happy Valley's got funny moments. Uh, so does... Um, <laughs> Like, Gentleman Jack is fun, has fun moments. Like, Last Tango in Halifax is really funny at points. Um, so, I think... And look, Sally Wainwright went on a, tr- a tour of the Doctor Who set, invited by Russell T. Davis, which uh, was in that... Um, there was a profile show on Russell T. Davis uh, on the BBC. Um, so, yeah. Like, I, she's obviously vaguely interested in the world. I'm, sa- I'm telling you now, like if Sally Wainwright took over writing and the doctor was Brenda Blethyn, but still dressed as Vera, it would be my dream. <laughs> I don't know how Disney Plus would feel about it, but I would love it. <laughs> it would be amazing. Um, but yes, thank you, James. Uh, that is an interesting kind of pricey of the various... Uh, showrunners eras uh, as they have gone on so far Um, yeah I think there is there is something in that like it is interesting that you know uh, the that we we got so used to Russell T Davis being really invested in the emotional beats of what happens um and Moffat still has those emotional beats but sometimes it feels like you go, why aren't you upset about this? Why are you upset about that over there? And you don't care about this thing that happened before. Um, anyway, uh, we're going to head on into Series 7 uh, in the next episode. Oh, 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 oh,